bow with me in prayer? Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. For those of you that may not have been here last week, we talked about God's priorities for our lives. And the context in which we talked about it was the Lord's Prayer and then some subsequent verses after the Lord's Prayer. And what we really focused on is the person of God, our Father, and hallowed be your name. And so who God is and what he is like And what his desires on our life, through prayer, become our focus, our priorities. And so we talked about that, and we talked about some verses after it that kind of unpacked it for us, so that we would understand that God has a design and a desire for us to pray to him and spend time with him. And then he will begin to change us and mold us so that we begin to live those priorities. And so we talked about some of those last week. Today we have a couple of readings that reveal another of God's priority. And it's very interesting because they're very much related. If you paid attention to what was said by the book of Ecclesiastes and then what was said by Jesus, the parable of the rich fools it's called, they have very many similarities. In fact, Jesus, in his mind, I believe, probably had this material from Ecclesiastes in mind. And if you don't know the context of Ecclesiastes, it's written by a a wise man, is what it tells you at the beginning of the book. But tradition and history reveal that it's Solomon who most likely wrote, wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And it's part of a set of scriptures known as the wisdom literature. And the wisdom literature contains such books of the Old Testament as Proverbs and Psalms and Ecclesiastes. And what you find in all of these, the wisdom literature, is the wisdom of God, which is God's word practically applied to our lives. So that we're reading what it says, we're asking the Lord to make this real in our life through prayer. And The contrast that you see in all of these is the contrast between the wise person and the foolish person, which is exactly what Jesus plays off on when he tells the parable of the rich fool. Now, I want you to have or get in your mind a picture of Solomon. And what I want you to think about right now is Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, Warren Buffett, Jeff Bezos, and add all of their wealth together. And add to it that he's also the most powerful king during his era. That is one wealthy, powerful man. Because compared to everyone else around him, he had so much wealth... No one 
came close. He had so much power that he was the most renowned king of his day. I can't get my mind about being a multi-billionaire. I don't know if you can. Maybe some of you can. Maybe some of you have that in your mind. I can't get my mind around that. And yet what Solomon says when he's reflecting on his life and all that he's done and all that he's accomplished, what conclusion does he come to? He says it's all vanity. Or let me put it another way. It's empty. I've pursued all this. I've gotten all this. I've accomplished more than anybody. That's what he's saying. And he says it's empty. And in the long run, it amounts to nothing. That's a pretty profound statement. When you think about it, because so many of us are striving to be comfortable, to have a lot of money, or even if we don't have a lot of money, to imagine having a lot of money. Because that's the life that's sold to most of us as being the good life. The one where we're comfortable and secure and we have no financial worries. We are sold on that. And yet the man who had it all says it's empty. Now, sidebar. God never begrudges wealth if you look in Scripture. Never. But he warns people. You can be wealthy and you can be self-centered and live by your desires because you have the ability to. But the reality is you can be poor and you can still seek wealth and that becomes your focus. See, the issue is not how much money you have, how much resources you have. The issue is what are you doing with what you've been given? You can be the most powerful person in the world. And you can ignore people and you can abuse people. Neglecting what God would have you do. But you can also be a person who doesn't have a lot of resources. But operates with power in the world by ignoring people and abusing people. See, this is not an issue Really, of how much you have. Or the position that you have. It's really the question, what are you doing with what you've been given? And this was a concern of Jesus throughout his ministry. Because Jesus spoke about the use of our resources, our wealth, our time. Probably about a third of what he said. So he cares about what we do with the gifts that he's given to us. The gifts of financial success. The gifts of abilities and gifts. 
the gift of time. Because all those resources he's given to all of us. And so the question comes up when we read this parable of the rich fool. When you read Ecclesiastes is, what are you doing with what you've been given? And whose do you understand it really is anyway? Because that's the underlying here. Jesus in his first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount as we call it, all of what he says or most of what he says about the use of our resources. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Who or what do you treasure? Because that's what you're going to live for. That's what you're going to apply your resources, your attention, your energy, your gifts. That's going to be the focus of your life. So really it gets underneath. What's your treasure? What do you treasure? And so when we look at the passage, Jesus first addresses all kinds of greed. That's an interesting phrase. Because when you think of greed, you kind of think greed is greed. You know, it's just trying to get everything you can. So that you can fulfill every desire you have. But when Jesus has all kinds of greed, he spreads it out. And that's really what Scripture does, what the Holy Spirit does in our life. Spreads it out. And it comes out of the context of a man saying to Jesus... Tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. Why might that happen? Well, because in that culture during that day, the eldest son inherited the major portion of the estate, and then the other siblings got a smaller portion. And probably, in this case, they were both comfortable. They both had enough. They both were probably somewhat successful for this to be a discussion. And it goes to the rich fool that Jesus then tells the parable about. The man had built big barns, and he had filled those barns. But then he has this windfall. So much so that he's going to tear those barns down, which is what his goal was in the first place, to fill the first barns. And he was so successful with this windfall, he had enough to tear down the smaller barns, build bigger barns, fill the bigger barns. When is enough enough? So he had a goal. With what he did. See, how does greed manifest itself in your life? That's part of the question. In this man's life, he said, I'm going to do everything I want to do because now I have it all. My dad, when, when we were 
kids. I remember saying to my dad when I was getting ready to go off to college and actually lived at home and commuted, so I said, you know, it'd be really helpful to have a car, a good car. And he said, when my ship comes in. How many ever heard that phrase? You know, when my ship comes in. Apparently his ship never came in. See, just to be clear, this guy's ship came in. That would be another way of saying it. Everything he always desired. In terms of success, he now got. And so, what God would have us do in a situation like that, saying, Lord, thank you for this blessing. Why? Because do you think he got the crops because he produced the rain? Because he gave the growth? God gave him the rain, the growth, the opportunity, everything he had to be able to get what he got. And we sometimes forget that every blessing we have, The intelligence, the opportunities, the gifts, the abilities, the time was given by God. And so we thank him for that. And what this man did, he didn't turn to God and say, now what do you want me to do with this blessing that you've given to me? What do you want me to do with this windfall? Because I've been so blessed. Instead, what does he do? He consults himself. You know, when we consult ourselves, we're always going to come up with an answer that serves us. Notice it's said in two ways. He thought to himself, and then he said to his soul. His intellect, his mind, and his spirit. So he had a discussion with himself. That's really the bottom line. So who's the God of his life? He is. Because he doesn't consult the Lord. He doesn't pray. He doesn't thank God. He doesn't seek the Lord's will with all the blessings that he's been given. That's the reality. And he even says, I mean, this is a fascinating line, so? He speaks to his soul, so? Who should be speaking to our soul? How do we allow him to speak to our soul? We see what scripture says. We speak to him in prayer. And we're open to his leading. We allow godly people to speak into our lives. We allow the Holy Spirit to penetrate our hearts and our minds and transform us. We allow him to speak to our soul. Because, see, the soul is the deepest part of who we are. 
And if we tell ourselves we're going to be serving ourselves, that's the way it works. Instead of saying, Lord, you've blessed me with all this, what do you want me to do? And as Jesus draws this parable to a conclusion, and he talks about when you have treasure. So it's not a bad thing. But we're called to be rich towards God. That's what he says. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the blessings that we've been given. But to be good stewards of those blessings, we need to be rich toward God. What does that look like? It looks like a holy life. That we're not living for our own desires and pleasure and self. But we're saying, Lord, what do you want me to do with this life that you've given to me? Holy, set apart for him. We are serving him and serving others. We are seeking to spend time with him and grow in the knowledge and love of him. We're seeking to bring other people to him. We are seeking to give him of our resources. The tithe, which Jesus refers to as the least part, 10% of what you have, your income. And then giving to the orphan and the poor and the widow and to the mission of God's work. On top of that, we don't think like that. We don't believe that, most of us. Why? Because we're speaking to our own souls. That's why. The world will tell you otherwise. Always. Where are your treasures? Because your heart and your life and how you come to the conclusion of all the God's, God's blessings in your life, that will show. And the bottom line is, Who holds the future for you? That's the point of both of these. Because in Ecclesiastes, eventually, he says, everything that I've pursued is vanity, and what I need to do is seek the Lord. That's the conclusion of the book of Ecclesiastes. It's the conclusion that Jesus is drawing when he says, your treasures have to be in heaven. Because he holds the future. He has eternity. In mind for you. That's his desire. You know, it's interesting. At different stages in my life, I thought I knew what the future should be. And in effect, I was telling God. I know most of you never tell God what it is he needs to know. But like at one, part, at one point in my life, I was going to be an engineer. Some of you know that. That was not God's design or desire. I thought I would never leave Pittsburgh. There was no reason. It's the perfect place. 
so I thought. God had something else in mind for me. I've now lived in the south, between San Antonio and here, longer than I've lived in the north. It's amazing. I thought I would have a different kind of ministry at one point in my life. The Lord changed my heart. God always has in mind for us what his desire and plan is if we just seek him. If we're open to what he wants to say to us. Later on in life, and I have to, you know, kind of tell you where I was in my mind with this one. Meredith and I had done youth work together, primarily with Young Life, for like 10 years. And we were both the goody two-shoes of our family. So we thought when we get to the teenage years with our kids, this was a no-brainer. The Lord had something else in mind. You know, sometimes what he has in mind isn't always easy. But it's not always about us. It's not always about what we think or the way it should go or we have control. It's so that we grow and that others grow through us. That's his plan. And oftentimes we miss it because we're seeking to live our way. He has treasures for us and he's given us treasures. And the question is, how are we using those? And to whose purpose? When we ask the question, how should we handle what we've been given? with our resources and our time and our giftedness. Who are we asking? Oftentimes we're asking ourselves. Oftentimes we're taking our cues from the world. But God knows the future. God knows our future. And he has a desire for all of our lives corporately and for us individually. See, when we really consider the greatest gift that he's given to us at all, Jesus Christ, for our salvation, for us to have and understand eternal life, for us to understand his call as to how to live, we not only ask him to be our savior, we ask him to be our Lord and the implication behind asking him to be our Lord is that we ask him, how should we live? What should we do with what we've been given? How can we love you and love other people and thereby build treasures in heaven? Who speaks to your soul? And where is your treasure? Let's pray.
As we go to the Lord in prayer, I invite you to pause just for a moment and think about who or what you treasure. What really are the priorities of your life? And what do you do with what you've been given? Lord, so often when we consider the gifts that we've been given, the resources, the time, the abilities, we so often think, how can we use them to further our desires, our comfort, our ease, our pleasure, instead of seeking what your call in our life might be. Lord, we pray today that you would be the one that we allow to speak to our soul. Through your word and by your spirit, as we come to you in prayer. Lord, it's clear the call that you have on all of our lives. Once we're yours, once we know you to be Savior and Lord. But sometimes we question individually. Lord, we pray that our priority at that time would be to seek you, to seek your voice, to seek your heart, to have you speak to our souls so that our treasure might be in heaven because you hold our future. Lord, when we say that you are Lord, help us to come to a deeper understanding of what that means. And for those here that maybe don't know you, that they would come to you this day, that Jesus might be both their Savior and their Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.